This is the Alpaca Podcast for all things alpaca. If you're an owner, a soon-to-be owner, a want-to-be owner, or are just alpaca mad or love the fleece, welcome to the Alpaca Tribe. I'm Steve Hetherington. Hi, Steve here, and welcome to the podcast for alpaca people. So good to have you here. And if you'd like to, why not come and join us over at the Alpaca Tribe group on Facebook? The link will be in the show notes, but otherwise you can just do a search for Facebook Alpaca Tribe and you will find it. Yeah, and if you've got any questions or comments, do let me have an email at steve at alpacatribe.com. In the last episode, episode 131, we were considering what it means to be confident around our alpacas, confident owners of our alpacas, and how we can build that confidence. Well, this is deceptively large as a subject area and doesn't have a checkbox to say when it's done. Let me explain what I mean. Firstly, I was trying to attract your attention, to point to something and say, have you noticed this? Confidence makes a big difference. It makes a big difference to how you care for your alpacas and how it feels for you as you're caring for them. Secondly, I was trying to get you started on a journey or maybe a new part of your journey. You can do better. And that's not a judgment, but it's meant to be an encouragement to open up possibilities. Are you confident? Do you want to be confident? How can you be more confident? You can be more confident. It sounds easy. Like when you're cooking, here's a recipe, take these ingredients, do this with them for this long, and you're done. We all know the same dish, the same recipe can produce dramatically different dining experiences from the same person, but on a different day. And that's before you compare it with your grandmother's recipe or your favorite celebrity chef, which may be the same thing. We can learn some tips and tricks, some pro-style wrinkles and the don't forget to's. But it takes repetition over time to make progress and head towards confidence and competence. That's confidence and competence. And they go together. Or they should be. Competence is it's an interesting word, isn't it? D does that feel like a success word or a failure word? Merely competent. Hmm, not so good. A very competent person. Well, that sounds better. You can do this. At this point, let me introduce you to a couple of people. David and Justin. These are people who know a few things. David Dunning and Justin Kruger are social psychologists, and they're both professors in the United States. Back in 1999, they carried out a study looking at how people see their competence, the interaction between knowledge and confidence. Now, this could be a massive rabbit hole, and feel free to go explore it if you want to in more detail, but, but I wanted to signpost something, and if you quote professors, you sound clever enough to listen to. Anyway, three things of importance come out of their work. One, people with a little knowledge often overestimate 
their capabilities and competence. Two, people with a lot of knowledge tend to downplay their abilities. And thirdly, with some knowledge and experience, you can often feel like you know enough to know there's a lot more to know. Now, the negative side of that is we become too hard on ourselves. I know nothing. That's not true, but it can feel that way. The positive side is a valuable insight that we're on a journey and I now know enough to learn some more. So we go through this kind of dip where we we know a bit and we realise we don't know very much. And the bit we thought we were really good at, we're not really good at. We've got a lot to learn still. So this is normal. Don't worry about that. So you can be overconfident if you have a little bit of knowledge. You can be downplaying if you've got a lot of knowledge. But in between, there's a positive space where we can live that has the possibility there. Possibility to grow, possibility to get better. So go through that pain of, I don't think I know very much after all, and keep going. There is no arrival point of, I know everything there is to know. This is a journey that says, I'm on the way to knowing more and doing this better. And it's great to have fellow travellers. So thanks for being here. And we need to learn from each other. And there are times when we're going to be in a dip and times when we're going to feel like we're doing really well, all of which is normal. So thank you to David and Justin, who would probably be very surprised to think they have just been linked to becoming more confident with alpacas. When I was reflecting on this whole thing of having confidence, of being confident, I realised what was something that made me feel more confident? When I did the Camelot Dynamics courses with firstly Julie Taylor-Brown as an introduction and then later the longer course with Marty McGee-Bennett who founded Camelot Dynamics. Now, just to mention, I've interviewed her before and we've got the episodes which will be in the show notes. So go back, have a listen if you haven't heard it already. So what did that workshop do for me? Well, it opened up the possibility that I could do this and this is how. I felt like I couldn't wait to get back home and put it all into <laughs> into practice. You know what it's like. Oh, yes, now I've got it. Not so fast, Steve. Think about it and do it slow and steady. Practice and grow. I did get a bit enthusiastic and it did freak the girls out a bit, the alpacas. But yeah, take it steady. Build it. Build your knowledge. Build your experience. Build your confidence. So you might need to have a bit more information and there's places to go, and there's Marty's website. Do check that out. There's videos and little workshops she's doing online, although she's now started travelling again, which is great. You might need some more information, but mostly you need to start and then to practice to grow your confidence. Know your limits and then work up to them to keep growing. Okay, enough lecturing for this time. Big takeaways, it is possible. Yes, for you. And secondly, practice to grow. So down on the farm, the summer continues. We're heading towards that hotter weather and we've got a little hot spell that's, that I'm not looking forward to. We had a quick burst of the large horse flies. I caught quite a few, but some got away. Some of the irritating flies have caused some nibbling. Rona, for instance, she had a, a bear patch the other morning near her tail, red, raw and inviting for flies. There were a few around, but 
thankfully I got it in time. So keep your eyes out. So I used fly deterrent and protected the wound. I used blue spray, which firstly shows me where it is. I can see where I've scratched. She moved. So she's now got some blue, which kind of is all around the tail area, but not quite exactly where it should have been. So do I did it in the field. Uh, least worst, but I should have waited till tea time, but I wanted to get it covered. So that was fly deterrent and then the blue spray, which has also got some antibiotics in it and it's going to antiseptic antibiotic mix and it's it's going to do some good to protect that. Um, I'm not sure it tastes so good either, so maybe it stops them nibbling. In the hot and humid weather, then you're likely to get more flies. So just keep your eyes out and see what's going on. Keep mucking out and clearing it away and getting it away as far as you can from the alpaca base, wherever that is, whether it's a field shelter or a stable. And remember to protect yourself too. These biting flies are not fussy who they bite. <laughs> and I've had my fair share of lumps and bumps and uh, just find something that works for you. Roslyn, I, the, the girls, the pregnant girls, they're starting to exhibit more pregnant girl behaviour. Now, Roslyn, she seems to be even more grumpy than normal. We've got a lot of grumpy Gerties at the moment, but Roslyn particularly, too close. She, she just, anyway, she's not very tolerant with the little ones. She's not very tolerant with any of the older ones coming near her food, all the usual stuff, but it's just a little bit more pronounced. And she, <laughs> she's not very keen about me being too close as, as well. So subtle behaviour changes. This this is the last stages of pregnancy for me. Subtle behaviour changes. And of course, I sort of notice these things. Then my behaviour changes. I stand and watch a bit more. I give more attention to the ones that usually in the middle of the group somewhere and don't get that much. Make sure that you're noticing the right things and that you're interpreting it correctly. Some of the girls are aware, <laughs> very much so, that I'm paying more attention to them. And that just shift things slightly. So it's a mix of things. Don't rush to conclusions. Um, there's one or two in particular. They're just hanging back slightly. They're staying away. They're staying more time in the stable or they're, you know, they're not that imminent. It's not that they're going to give birth today, but we're heading in a direction. So you start to gather the, the indicators, start to get to see what's going on and get them used to you being around and that you're a safe person. Going back to things we talked about last time that you're safe to be around and they can be more relaxed. But uh, yeah, so it's that's the phase I'm currently in. Uh, spread the food out a bit wider to reduce friction at feeding time. So more bowls, more troughs, just make it a bit more easy for them to get to the food without having to, to fight for it. Uh, keep the water topped up. So the hot weather it means they're more likely to drink more. They're going to spill more, get their feet in the buckets where they can. And definitely, they're going to need it more. It's important that we keep the levels of the buckets topped up. That's one of the reasons I like to feed the girls twice a day and also keep the boys well topped up with their water. Ragwort flowers, mostly visible at the moment. Uh, the, the buttercups have died back. So the, the bright yellow flowers you're seeing are probably, in my case at least, this part of the world, probably ragwort. So that's worth checking out. So what's growing in your area, you, you should know it better than me. Uh, but have a check, see if there's anything that you need to be de-weeding, that you need to be digging out by the roots. For the ragwort, that's what you need to do. Get at the roots rather than just pull it because 
it snaps. I've got some that I, I was trying to take out the other day and I've got a rag fork and that's the best solution. But there were some, I thought, I know, I, I just, so two hands and I'm gently pulling, but no, it snapped. And that's a frustration because it's then left for next year and we'll be back again. So dig out from the roots where you can for ragwort. So they're currently visible. Do make opportunity while you can. And, and we're getting to the, the latter stages of all of the foxgloves as well. So that's a good time to, to capture those before all the seeds are being thrown around in the wind. Birds continue to nest. We've got a second lot of uh, swallows, fledgling. Not quite fledging. They're, they're looking big, though, so they won't be long. They'll be out and about. And there's also something... Oh, the other day, uh, had a, the, something else going on in the field. What was that about? Suddenly heard the alarm cries. Had to Insistent. So I had to go out and got my head torch. And, uh, do you know, I should have put my wellies on, and I didn't. I put my boots on, so I got wet feet. But I ended up in the field going after these eyes. There's two pairs. They didn't... They kind of moved a bit, but they didn't want to completely go away. I think they're probably young foxes in the end. That's what I concluded. So it was a bit of uh, moving them off. The bunch of girls were stood by the corral fence and they were just a bit a bit concerned. And <laughs> good old Shodded doing her alarm cry duty. So that was a little bit of excitement. Uh, turned out to be nothing too serious, but you just need to be aware of these things. So that was that was interesting. And there's other bits and pieces we've seen in terms of who's digging this. There's a, there's a bit, there's some holes being dug. Who, who's digging this then? And it could be squirrels. Mm, or it could be something a bit bigger. It could be a, could be a fox. Could be a badger. All things you need to just have an awareness of, and see what's going on. The geese now. There's a few little attempts at flying. They're still obviously getting their feathers growing through. They're still coming and joining the alpacas in the field, which is nice. And they're on the water which is going down. And they're also getting to the point where they're starting to practice a few bits of flying, low, short distances, but it's where they're headed. So they will be practicing more and more. And yeah, then we lose them. They disappear. It builds up and builds up. You can see what's going on and you know the day's coming. And then suddenly, I like to be around if I can, but suddenly they will be gone. You hear them honking and, and they've gone. And it's all quiet. So time moves on and we have to adjust as we go. So cutting things where you can, de-weeding where you can, keeping the water levels up where you can, and all of the stuff of summer. Don't get too sunburnt, hopefully. Don't get too bitten by flies yourself either. But where you can, go spend some time with an alpaca and smile. So take care. See you again soon. Bye for now. This is the Alpaca Tribe, and I'm Steve Hetherington. Have a great day.